Hey there, welcome to 12 Questions, or as we'll be calling ourselves from now on, 12Q Pod, because guess what? Another 12 Questions podcast has hopped up in my absence. Dang it. Oh my gosh, we uh, are going to be releasing some episodes uh, coming up. Uh, that is the sound of my new co-host, Oscar. Uh, he is a very loud cat. And uh, <laughs> I'll be re- also releasing some video feed um, of the interviews and for the folks that want to do that. Um, guys, uh, we're going to start with our first uh, podcast that we're going to be releasing is not uh, during quarantine. And then after that, it's all quarantine episodes. So hop on, get with it. Uh, I hope you guys are all staying safe and staying sane. And um, if you're like me and you go to mysterious rooms and drink stale coffee uh, with strangers, that you're you're staying together. So uh, love you and uh enjoy the show season three oh my gosh i was just discussing our season model is basically i do episodes until i get super stressed out and need a break um so this would be season three we're coming off of a break no co-hosts today we might not have co-hosts for this season um going back to season one uh a throwback for those of you who uh have listened to the dark days of this podcast um Anyway, why are they dark? I don't know. What's going on? Oh, man. It's the morning. Um, I'm very excited. If you've never listened to this podcast before, this is a podcast where I am Alenzuela, interview people uh, from a recovery perspective. Um, They don't necessarily have to be a recovery type person. They don't necessarily have to be a clean and sober type person. It can just be interesting, not just, it's just, it's a good conversation. Just strap in. Um, and I'm very excited for season three's very first guest. I've been thinking about having a girl on this podcast for a really long time. And just, I don't know. I get weird about asking. I'm like, will you go to my podcast? <laughs> like, I get so weird. Um, anyway, how would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Crystal Adams. Crystal Adams! Same yeah. ah! one. <sighs> oh gosh we were just talking about your beautiful podcast and about yes. like a very fun <laughs> sort of uh generous assumption a comic gave himself that <laughs> <laughs> i just i just i love that somebody was just like mm, of course you're saying good things about me usually hey, yeah. comedians are more like addicts and they're like what the fuck are you saying about hey, me I'll yeah kill you. <laughs> um and your podcast again tell 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 the listeners your beautiful podcast and where to find it yeah it's called too sensitive for comedy and you can find it on all podcast platforms it's great i've seen it live it's a fun time (laughs) yeah it's a very fun time i've seen it live at like about this time in the morning in a bar yes which is always a a brightly lit bar i was so surprised there was people there i was like oh yeah of course (laughs) of course Uh, especially because i feel like too sensitive for comedy and 12 questions share this sort of like I've done 12 questions at festivals and it comics will be like, I feel like I just went to group therapy for comedy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was like, mm, I feel cleansed. Yeah. This is nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It just feel nice afterwards to just like know that there's so many people that are, have been through what you're going through, you oh, know, or yeah. not just like, on their trajectory upwards hopefully but like you know they're they're 
having dark times or they're feeling like they don't fit in. And yeah. Yeah. I think we get on the internet, especially as like entertainers. And I'm sure this happens to everybody, like whatever business you're in, you get on, you get on the internet and you see Dave from accounting killing it. And you're like, (laughs) Oh man, I'm not good enough. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's really easy to like, uh, look into other people's lane and be like, man, they're doing so much better than me and not realizing that it's just not, it's every, every, Everybody's journey is relative, mm-hmm. which I love. I love that. I love that conversation. Also, not just, not just, what would you call like a podcast, podcast host, but I want it to be something fun, like hostinista or something. <laughs> You're also an incredible comedian. You're also Thank killing you. it in the great. You also have a fantastic, I love your no scrubs. Um, oh, the music video. Music video uh-huh. parody. Mm, <laughs> no rugs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so please look up Crystal Adams. She is just a gem and now i'm going to ask you a bunch of no segue i'm just going to ask you a bunch of very deeply personal Perfect. questions <laughs> this is great this, this is, is great. i'm like right i'm ready to cry and there are s- some <laughs> tissues i also have handkerchiefs if okay. you're like me you're, i'm deeply i'm deep down an old man i'm just like that t- look at this nose i blow through tissues <laughs> i have handkerchiefs so just let me know okay. um so one of the main tenets of like a re- the re- recovery world is the concept of like surrender. That's sort of like the first one. So like, how do you experience surrender in your life? Say mm-hmm. something's not going your way or say something's going really amazingly and your ego's just like, this isn't good enough or this is so good. I, when's the, when's the other shoe going to drop? Like mm-hmm. how do you experience surrender in the moment? Yeah, um, I guess I could probably answer two ways. One that I've been thinking about for a few months now, which is so uh, when I when I started stand up, um, I, you know, you get a lot of advice and you're trying to figure it out. You're so much advice. Yeah, you're trying (laughs) whether you want it or not. Exactly. (laughs) And it's hard to figure out, like, what's the right advice for you. Right. right, And also like marrying the advice, like the, the advice that's coming from somebody who maybe has been doing it a while, but like the system work for them in a certain way, but the Mm. system has changed Mm. and maybe they're not aware of that change. Like they're fine. Like their career has got, they've gotten what they wanted out of it. But like for you as a newer comic, like the system is a little bit different, you know, like the, the scene has changed. There's more people, you know what I mean? Like, so how does that, you know, you're trying to figure out like, does that work for you? So one of the things that I think got like calcified in me was okay, if I want to do stand-up, like, I need to, like, sell my life to stand to stand up. Like, I can't be distracted, right? Okay, yeah. And, I mean, it was something that I accepted for myself. Yeah. Like, yeah. comedy is my relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all I really have time for. <laughs> but, like, I got, you know, as I was doing it, like, I, w- I would have people from time to time say, like, oh, are you interested in being a writer? Like, oh, do you want to write? Mm. And I would always say no. I'd be like... Yeah, too. I was like, no, I I'm stand up. I want to be a stand up. I want to be on the stage. Yes. That's what I want. You know, right. like I'm not out here trying to, you know, I. And so I really categorized my mind like I, and people like that. I was like, OK, well, that's a stand up. But they also want to be a writer like the same way. Probably New York comics do that with L.A. comics. There, A lot of them will be like oh, they're a comic, but they really want to be an actor. You know, ah, like that sort of thing. Like, we do that. I'm, there's, I'm going to say, I'm going to call it out. Sometimes I'll be a flappers and I'll be like, your agent <laughs> sent you here. Who yes, are you? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh, I really wanted to be, I wanted to fall in love with the craft. And yeah. I wanted to be somebody who people, my 
peers respect it as like, no, she respects the craft. Yes. She's not just here to like, you know, take what she can and then leave, you know, like yeah. she's in it. Authenticity is important yes, to you. It's very important mm-hmm. to me. So for a long time, I was like, no, 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 I'm not a writer. But then um, recently, I, I don't know what happened, but basically I started to have this question in my mind of like, what if, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong about what I want? What if I'm wrong about who I thought I was? Like, I'm thinking I'm yeah. the stand-up comic, but maybe, maybe I am also a writer. Maybe I am also supposed to be writing, like, in doing other things. And the crazy thing is that, I, so I, I, I feel like I started to surrender yeah. to that. Yeah. To that, to the idea that maybe I am, maybe I also am a writer. I mean, of course I'm a writing because I'm writing my own stand up. Right. But like, you know, in terms of these other opportunities that are out there in LA to write on shows or to write for other people, like maybe I could also do that. And the thing that happened, which is the same thing that happened when I first started stand up, which is once I started to just be open to that idea like things started yeah. coming my way. And I also just got my first writing job, finished it like, Whoa. like yeah, literally last week. Yes. What? Yes. Congratulations. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so I was like, okay, all right, all yeah. right, all right. I see you, universe. Yes. Like, but the same thing happened with stand-up. You know, like I wasn't doing stand-up. I, and then I, it was very terrifying to me, but also like, it kind of sort of there was something in me that like said this feels right yeah and um and then this part of me had to just battle with like what if i'm wrong about how i am supposed to be an artist yeah and then i started doing stand-up and then, yeah yeah so i think it's so important to just keep an open mind mm-hmm. i'm so oh my gosh i we were just talking me and my roommate uh you know nicole yates right uh-huh yeah okay so we were just talking about uh, last night because it's like I have a lot of stories in my heart you know mm-hmm. what I mean I have a lot of like oh that would make a good script or this uh, never do it and I think part of it is is I have a lot of fear around um around writing and around editing like oh yeah because I I'm always like they're gonna just smell the GED on the script oh my yeah, god yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like I feel like I feel like they like I've had a lot of fear around it and a lot of my friends and comedy have gone down that writing path and mm-hmm. I would always kind of give it lip service like, yeah, I would like to write on those things, but secretly I've been very afraid of it mm-hmm. and I've been, I think, probably blocking the universe from being like, come on, mm-hmm. come on, write. But I've done like ghostwriting jobs mm-hmm. and stuff, which is, is so nice. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's one of those I've I've deliberately been under the radar with it. Yeah. 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 I think that's what it is. And I just love that you were like, maybe. And then the universe was like, Yeah, we've been waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. You're very talented. We you did the spec script for the spec script yeah. uh, podcast. So funny. I'm never I'm I'm honestly never gonna watch Empire. I want Empire to be through the world that you created. That was literally the funniest thing. So Thank yeah, you. you really are a talented writer. And and I'm so happy for you. Thank that is so you. amazing. But if you were listening to this Hollywood, you need to book this lady and put her on all your shows. It'll be amazing. Um, how, do you ever have for like, um, and this goes into our second question, like um, what's been the most like insane and it could be insane, positive, insane, negative. Like what's been the most like insane moment of your, your journey as far as like being here? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, 
I guess it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it depends on how, how you, you describe insane. Like this is, a, this is a thing that I'm, I've been trying to do is like maybe two years ago, I felt like, oh, I think I could make it. Like I, I started to think that, yeah. you know, but I also started to get overwhelmed and anxious at that thought. Cause I'm like, what if I'm not able to keep up? And so what I'd started to do was, and this is not fully good. I'm actually trying to get out of that, but I started to like kind of minimize my success. Yeah. So, so in, I think some of it is good. I don't know how to explain it, but I'll, I'll try as, as that I wanted to get used to things popping up, popping off, but also continuing to stay doing the work. Right. So not getting distracted by like, oh, my God, this is the thing like this is the thing that's going to shoot me off, you know, Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think I've seen a a lot of people, you know, fall off because of that, because they thought the thing that they got in the moment was the one thing. Yes. And so they stopped doing the work and they were like, but I have this thing. Like, why didn't that thing open up the doors? Yeah. So I started doing this thing where like, even when I got like my first TV thing on Amazon, I was like, all right, like everybody, like it's cool, but like everybody calm down. Like this is not it because it didn't, you know, it's helped. Obviously it's helped, yeah. but it's not like I'm not full time making money as a stand up, Right. Yeah. And so uh, I wanted, I, I just didn't want to get distracted from doing the work. Um, but I will say like when, um, yeah, when I booked that, like that was, that was really, that was a really insane moment, especially because there was a miscommunication and they actually told me that I didn't get it. They actually told a bunch of people that they didn't get it. And then, but then it was, it was like, I guess somebody pulled the trigger on the email too soon or something. <laughs> or I don't know, but I was just like, and then, and then I did. So I was crying and then, but then they called me and then, oh, you did get it. Or they emailed me and I, I was like, what? Like, w- wait, what? What a roller coaster of yeah, emotions. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> <laughs> and that is uh, Amazon After Dark, correct? Yes, yeah. Yes. How was that experience? Was that like the most fun ever? Or? It was really fun. I mean, I'll say like, I so I didn't watch it when it came out. Um, yeah, it's I, really hard to watch yourself. On yeah, TV. even though uh, this, is, if I could do it on mute, that's what it is. It's yeah. like, oh, look at my hair and makeup. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I look good. <laughs> but it's like I turn my, I turn it on. And I'm like, oh, I gotta stop talking always. <laughs> Jesus, my voice. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean the day of like I don't know it just it felt it was so cool to feel like when I was there and in the green room like you got this like you're ready yeah um which is I don't know how I anticipated that feeling I think I don't know I I really I I I don't know if I I think part of it is like I didn't expect to get to this place this soon yeah how like long have you been doing stand-up? Five years. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Five. Cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So I was just like, you know, because people say all the crazy things like 10, 20 years and it's it, it's all bullshit, right? I, you know, I for popped personal. it too. Like it, yeah. you never know. Like you never know. And mm-hmm. it is so, it's so wise that you're like, this is not the one thing. Because mm-hmm. I think that in the back of my mind, I did the same thing. I was like, 
all right, now the king of Hollywood will call me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> this is what I do now. And somebody sent me like a really long text message about like, no, keep your day job, keep working, mm-hmm. you know. And honestly, in that time from two to five, I'm coming. I just hit five years in stand up. I become a much better comedian, mm-hmm. you know. So I think it's like, I think it's yeah, yeah. Anyway, people will tell you all kinds of. People have so many unsolicited opinions in comedy, and it's like. You, okay but that's your journey whoever it is. you are it is yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah there's like there's like a such a small um crew of people that i actually know who was like advice i actually would take you know right. because uh so many people are just not looking out for you you know like right. they're it and it's weird and it's like they don't always know so i really i'm really selective with whose advice i take now especially now because i'm like nobody's ever been exactly where I am. Like nobody's ever, nobody's ever been a black female stand-up comedy uh, who's 36, who is wearing her own hair natural. Yes. You know what I mean? In 2019, like yes. who in has this economy, the, in this economy, <laughs> you know, where, you know, white people are scared. Like, you know, like nobody. <laughs> so, you know, they don't know. Like, so how can you give me advice? Cause you have not been in this circumstance before, you That's know, very true. Mm-hmm. That's very true. With that in <laughs> mind, how do you, um, how do you make decisions? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what like what category like comedy decisions just or life decisions either way I Mm -hmm. uh, the reason why that question is in there is it's um so like the third step is kind of all about like faith and trust Mm -hmm. and for years of my recovery I couldn't make the simplest decisions without a tremendous amount of fear Mm -hmm. so I would go to restaurants and I couldn't decide between the BLT or the cop salad so I'd ask the waiter hey which one of these would win in a fight Mm -hmm. um and uh, I had a lot of misplaced bad comedy energy um a lot of dad (laughs) jokes uh and um so when I got into a place of like, how do I make decisions? Like I just stopped worrying about all the decisions I was making being correct. I Mm -hmm. just started like making them and just had faith that it would all work out because I had no evidence that it hadn't worked out. I'm still walking around. I'm still doing good. I got most of my teeth. Like it's all, it's all working out. So when you're, whether it's comedy or whether it's like in your personal world, like how do you make decisions? Mm -hmm. Well, one thing that was helpful for me is hearing many, many women say launch early, like mm-hmm. um, pull the trigger early, like yeah. do the thing before you're fully ready. Um, and that was really helpful for me because I I, I think as, yeah, half based in fear have based in being a perfectionist mm-hmm. you know like and not wanting any criticism ever yeah like, um you know like finding myself waiting too long so sometimes if i can tell that i am i'm waiting too long or i'm i can t- there's a potential to sabotage the thing i'm like okay do it now like yeah, uh, yeah. um like i had this interview that i was sitting on that i'd taped with me and my mom and um i i was like oh this is so fun and so funny and maybe this could be a part of a series and like you know but i was waiting on like uh you know like getting more interviews and like you know waiting on having more of the thing you know and i was like 
Crystal, you have the time, like you have the tools, like what are you going to wait on your boyfriend to make a logo and then, you know, this yeah. and that. And I was like, just put it out now. So then I put it out and it was so fun and people loved it. And I was like, and I knew people would love it because yeah. people love my mom is so fun. Um, and it so it made me glad that I did that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Does your mom, does your mom live around here? Like my mom lives in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you start comedy in Long Beach? No, but I started, I started comedy in LA. Okay, I started, mm-hmm. I was, so I was living in Long Beach and Orange County, okay. so I also started comedy, like, LA adjacent, mm-hmm. and people are they're like, so where did you come from? And I'm like, <laughs> well, I mean, like, other places, but, like, I started comedy in LA, and they're like, why would you do that? Because <laughs> like, I was a year already? Yeah, I don't know exactly, why <laughs> exactly, because, because I said so, because that's how it worked out, am I gonna, like, move to San Diego, or yeah. some adjacent market, just to, like, although that was some, you know, unsolicited advice people gave me, and if I followed that none of the things would have happened the way they did so um that's so funny i love that i i just like the opportunity i, I asked you that question because i love the opportunity to see a comedy mom like i saw madison shepherd's mom last uh-huh. night i love i love seeing a comedy mom <laughs> I'm like, mm, tell me everything i'm very excited yeah. my mom's an excellent comedy mom because she in addition to like being very supportive of me when she comes to a show like she's everybody's favorite person in the audience because yes. she'll sit she'll sit like in the middle and she'll she gets jokes like yes. right away and she's a loud laugher and so it makes everybody else feel like they need to catch up because this woman is like dying you know yeah. like yeah and it's like so great like everybody loves it when she oh. comes to shows yeah was she your first audience were you like always just ripping no <laughs> Not at all. Really? <laughs> In fact, my mom didn't even really know that I was funny until I probably like maybe a play that I had in high school. And then like and then when I became a comic. Whoa. Yeah. She didn't have because the dynamic in my family is I mean, so much of me having a mic is is because is so that nobody will interrupt me. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, <laughs> You've just been saving it for years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I, I mean, maybe not so much my mom's side of the family, but definitely my dad's like, they had no idea. They were like, she's so shy. And it's just like, well, if anybody would shut up for long enough, like <laughs> you would have found, I got some thoughts. <laughs> oh my gosh. I got to listen to that mom episode. That's amazing. <laughs> it's just like, I just, so what I think I'm going to do with it is like, try to find a question of somebody that I know that will make will immediately make them laugh. Yeah. And so the question I asked her, I was like, can you teach people um, how to laugh? <laughs> and then she just immediately from that question, she was like, she just busted up laughing. So the first like two minutes is just her laughing. Just her laughing. Because <laughs> she's aware. Yes. That's, yes. Oh, <laughs> that's so beautiful. When I first started to say, I've always, oh God, as a very extremely loud laugher <laughs> and an easy laugh. I am an easy laugh. And as a comedian, that's such a rare quality. It is. So when I'm in an open mic, I deliberately sit in the front mm-hmm. because I've because if I sit in the back, while that is how I started flirting with my boyfriend because he loves to talk shit in the back, <laughs> I would, but what it was is I'm an easy laugh. So he would drop things into my ear and then I would laugh. Uh-huh. And But I was always laughing at the wrong time of somebody's yeah. joke. <laughs> so then it was just like weird. So 
I, I tried to like, I was, oh God, I've been going to uh, a club here in town to like, just try to break into that club. And so I'll sit, the mics can be a bit grueling. Uh-huh. And so I'll sit in the front and I'll be an easy laugh. And I can tell the comedians are like, when I first started comedy, somebody was, I was at a mic and somebody was doing really well, but nobody was laughing. Uh-huh. I was laughing. Uh-huh. And the guy was like, why are you laughing? And I was <laughs> like, because I'm isn't that what you want, sir? <laughs> like, I was just like, hold on. What do we do here? I was like, because you are funny. <laughs> He's like, but nobody else is laughing. I'm like, I'm, am, am I allowed to laugh? Like, <laughs> and I, I just, yeah, I love that. Can she teach everybody how to laugh? She, that was the other thing she was laughing. She was like, I don't know how. She was like, how do I do that? You have joy in your heart. That's what it is. I guess you so. You got to cultivate the joy in your cultivate heart. The, I mean, she's like, she, the one thing she did say, she's like, I try, I come prepared to laugh. Yeah. She's like, when I go to a show, like I am, I'm preparing to have a good time, which you can tell yes. is not most people's mo when they go to a show and it's so weird it's like they go to a show like passive observers like it's a movie like that as if we're not having a a human interaction it's like we're like in front of a screen and it's like no like I think that's part of, you know, uh, comedy is really po- like there's been a proliferation of comedy, this big boom in comedy. And I think that so many people are taking in comedy through their phones or on TV yeah. or whatever. And they're forgetting that it's like a live. It's much more akin to theater yeah. and that it's a live experience. Mm-hmm. It's so much different. I like watching a special. Mm-hmm. But what I really love, there are two two forms, of course, ultimately live stand-up mm-hmm. somebody somebody telling jokes on stage with an audience because that's a moment that's never going to happen again yeah it's no matter what you cannot recreate yes. that moment that's yes. the only moment that'll happen and i i like listening to albums because i have a relationship with that with my mom she would always listen to stand-up albums oh wow that's so awesome. i would I, I enjoy listening, but specials I have to make myself watch. Interesting. I don't. I I will listen. I'm more apt to like get on the treadmill, and listen to an album, or a road trip and listen mm-hmm. to an album because that's sort of what I was raised with. Then like sitting down and watching a special. Yeah, I did watch a lot of specials growing up, but like not now as a comedian. That's maybe my last resort to mm-hmm. taking in other people's comedy. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't grow up um, really watching very much stand up at all. Um, it wasn't like something that was, I mean, I would catch some here and there from, <laughs> I think BT comic view, like every now and then, you know, yeah. Oh, it's okay. Hidden gems. If you're on the internet right now, I want you to go to YouTube. I want you to look up clips of BT comic view. It was a great show. Yeah. So good. Also Telemundo had oh. a comedy night uh-huh. and Fridays it was like English speaking. It was a half hour of English is their version of premium blend. And uh-huh. it always be like, like Christella, it would be like like Latino comics and Bobby Lee. Uh-huh. I because we we took him. He's ours now. Um and I and that's how I got introduced to Bobby Lee. Not mm-hmm. even through like it didn't even occur to me like, oh, that's the guy from Mad TV. That's funny. It was like that's how I got introduced to a stand-up. So yeah, it, oftentimes some of the best comedy, especially where I'm 37, you're 36, like our um our generation had to like you could see like your premium blend on Comedy Central. You mm-hmm. can see what's just like regular, you know, late night shows. But if you went to the to the the further reaches of cable, uh-huh. you could find some <laughs> real gems. <laughs> well, the crazy thing about B watching BET Comic View is that I mainly remember like I don't remember most of the comics that were on there. Like then, like if you ask me 
just on a yeah. whim, like who who did you watch? What do you remember? And I, I only vaguely remember some of them, but the one that sticks out to me it was, I believe, Darren Carter. The party starter? Yes. <laughs> and he had this whole joke about he's like, oh, I'm, I'm not Darren, I'm Daron. <laughs> It, and like that killed me. And I was like, but obviously I remember him because he was like one of the only white dudes on Comic View. Mm-hmm. And then I was like on a show with him and I'm like, this is so weird. My life, like I'm, <laughs> I'm on a like, show with Duran. Like, <laughs> did you tell him that? That no, you remember that? Oh I never God. did. Oh, I love to fangirl out on comedians because it's so you know, it's, it can be kind of rare. Like, yeah. so I love to corner somebody and be like, I want you to know the first time I saw you was you, I saw that. I remember that Duran joke. I just want you to know. And it's like, and it's sort of like forcing a compliment into somebody's heart. Yeah. Like you go take this compliment. Yes. It's my, it's my version. It's my version of assault. Basically. I was just like, Oh, take it. Uh, because they don't want it. Um, <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's so beautiful. What's been the most like interesting thing you've learned about yourself in this journey? Hmm. Um. Uh, I maybe like just how adaptable Ooh, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Like I. Th- I I will I will f- see a problem. I'll see a ma- a macro problem or a micro problem and then I will kind of form my my strategy of how I will I will move about in the world and what advice people I would give people if they were to ask me so like so one one um thing that I I noticed was early on I was like oh like I I'm watching comics get ahead of me um in qu- ahead in quotes because that's all relative right yeah that's but, how it feels yeah it feels like you're losing a race but then when you realize you're like oh no they're just yeah that it's a marathon yeah yeah well and i realized but one of the things i saw that they were doing i'm like oh they're really good at networking and mm. but they're also i could tell they're also naturally good at networking like maybe they're pushing themselves to an extent but there are some people that are just naturally good at it and as somebody i don't feel like i'm naturally good at it so i was like all right i'm gonna have to fucking compensate then yeah. so i did other things to allow me to network in a way that was right for me i I understand that mm-hmm. stage networking is net networking. I can't even <laughs> say it. Uh, stage networking is uh, hard for me. So at this festival, it, it, it we were at a festival together, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of like stage networking time. You're yeah. you're you mandatory. You got to go to this thing. You mm-hmm. got to do this. You got to meet these people. And some of it, I had to actually work remote. I like emailed the festival people. I was like, I hope you see me as a participant because uh-huh. what's going on is like, I have to, I'm working uh, remote. I got fired from that job. So in hindsight, I should have just brought my computer <laughs> and occasionally texted my boss a question and uh-huh. then just like not done anything. Um, but it was, um, the stage part was hard for me. For mm. some reason I got in my head about it. Normally what I do is I just talk to people mm-hmm. and I ask them questions. I find out their dog's name. I yeah. find out like, I just do that. And then usually that I, that seems to work to mm-hmm. an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was a very interesting thing. And since then I've walked up to some people that were there and just been like, Hey, can I email you just real blunt? Just uh-huh. like, Hi, I remember. Can I email you? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. like, so that's, that's kind of what it takes for me. I understand that. That's yeah. like, well, cause I think that there's, there's two types of networking. There is the, hi, I'm a person. I'm a comedian. I'd love for you to see what I have. Also, you're a person. Let's talk about you. A more natural, like, exchange. Mm-hmm. And then the, I do observe people manipulating. Mm-hmm. And that that makes me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I think that makes me uncomfortable. But even the, like, you, like, somebody who's in the clear position of power and that has things that you want. Like, I hate that. I'm like, it, ugh. Even, even if somebody does it, like, and I'm like, and I watch it and it's seamless. I'm like, oh, this person just came up to them, like started a conversation, like somehow pitched themselves, like wrapped it up with something, you know, sane and like, you know, like left with an address. That completely is not in my wheelhouse. No, No. it's like, even if I could get myself into the conversation, the pitching myself or like putting myself forward for the thing that they have, the opportunity, I can't do it. So I, you know, but the problem is, is that I still need what they have. So how do I, how do I organize and create other spheres of influence where I can do that or I can do that in a roundabout way, you know? Yeah. And still get the thing without doing something that didn't feel completely right for me. Okay. I like that. How did it, so how did you figure that out? Was it Well, just- so it, I mean, it's, just, it keeps shifting. So like for a while it was like, I need to know more comics, you know, like yeah. I just need to know more Gotta comics. Know. I need to want more to people to, yeah, yeah, more people to see me. Yeah. I want to feel like I'm viable and I'm not going anywhere. So I started an open mic. People really like the open mic. A lot of good comics started coming to the open mic. And that became a way that a lot of people knew who I was. Yeah. And they started booking me on stuff. Like, didn't ask me to spot trade, you know, didn't, you know, they just like, oh, like I had a positive experience in your mic, saw you, you're funny, like, you know. And so that was really, really helpful for me rather than doing the, the trying to hang all the time at a, after a show or trying to go to a show to hang. Like I can't, (sighs) I was like, I'm a, I'm in my thirties and like I got... (laughs) I got stuff, you know? Yeah. I used to do a lot of the hang mm-hmm. and I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. Almost. I'm still exhausted. <laughs> I've been, I'm still tired from those hangs two uh-huh. years ago. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. The hang. Well, I, I heard uh, Doc Willis, the comedy store patio. He once, uh, he once said, ain't none of these people here getting any funnier right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Accurate. That's that. That's, that's totally true. And yeah. Are you getting? And oh, and the other thing that I, that was helpful for me is like so because because the hang exhausts me, and also because you know it took me a while to get used to being around as many men are as in stand up. Oh yeah. Like I I just was not used to being around this many men. Right. Okay. And so, and also, so because of that, so you asked me like, you know, did my mom know I was funny? I was like, no, I would, she didn't know I was funny. What, what the way that I knew I was funny was I would like, memorize whatever happened on Dave Chappelle's show and Matt TV. And I would go back or I would tell stories about my life, but at height in high school. Okay. Um, and, Sorry, I'm like blinking on where I was going with this. Oh, um, 
And so I just started feeling like, okay, the, like I can make a group of people laugh, but I, I don't do well in like when, when it's a bunch of men and they're riff, 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 riffing, you know? Oh yeah. The dick measuring contest is yes. maybe not conducive to like, but I needed to get better at riffing. And so like, yeah. how do I do that without tiring my soul out? And like, if I'm not, and also if I'm not used to being around this many men. And so what I found that helped me with that actually is podcasts. Yeah. Like I just went over time. I like listened to so many podcasts. So now when I'm in a room with comics or I'm asked to be on a podcast, I'm like, I've got, cause I've been thinking about it while they're talking. I'm thinking about what I would add to the conversation. Okay. I never learned to riff because I'd always been the funniest person in my friend group. Oh, right. So I never had anybody to like try to one up, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's really fun. It can the volley be. volley of riffing. It is, can be. <laughs> and there is moments where, so like where I came up in Orange County, it was like all those roast battle people and we mm-hmm. would stand outside of the mic and basically, mostly Conor McSpadden would just verbally abuse everybody, but in a fun way. And, <laughs> and occasionally, if you could get a shot back in on him, you mm-hmm. were like... I lived my life today. I did. <laughs> I saw. I saw the edge. You know, like, and it was very fun. And so, um, you, there are occasions where, like, I have to accept in a riff scenario that some of my riffs are not going to make it, and I'll do just like I'm on stage. I'll be like, "Hmm, that didn't work," and like, then that gets a laugh. Yeah. And so, yeah, I do. I enjoy the sport of riffing. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I, I that was so interesting because I know, I know, um. Like we know each other socially and we've been, we've talked and we're like, we're friendly. Mm-hmm. And I always see, um, I always see you uh, kind of talk more to Stuart. You two gravitate toward each other. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely a comic that doesn't like, he'll riff, but he doesn't riff in a way that's like, you want to one up each other. Yeah. Like he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't like come at it with this, like, I gotta be the funniest energy, yeah. which is so nice. And like hearing you say that, I was like, Oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, of course, like I used to call him the safest guy at the comedy store. You know what I mean? Like I would see him come around the corner and I'd be like, nice. That's the guy that's not going to grab your butt. Yeah. Um, and like, so I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are very good at riffing. By Thank the way. you. You're very good at it. I love how like deliberate and systematic you are about like comedic skills. Mm-hmm. I think that's so. That's so like. You're well, very some of deliberate. them I didn't realize I was doing until later. But yeah, yeah I am. If I want something, I'm like, how do I get it? And yeah. not have to kill myself, like, and not hate who I am. You know, like. That's, that's that the other thing. One, you can get a lot of things in our career and be fucking miserable yeah. about it. That mm-hmm. was definitely. It's like, ooh, sometimes, ooh, sometimes <laughs> I see people that are so successful. I tweeted at somebody last night, like, like your career is soaring, and I did it like not the not the 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 claps uh-huh. emoji, but I did like period. Yes, I was like, bitch, your career is soaring. Stop this you're doing good just be grateful just be grateful for what you have Uh that's all you gotta do yeah um so yeah you can you can definitely get some things and have it never be enough or get some things and have it be contrary to your person yeah or have or do things like this is the this is the thing that i'm i've been sad about lately is like just finding out things about people i respected like not like uh, prisonable things, but like 
<laughs> I mean, there was a, a minute word? where I was just like, oh, I can't. when can I like anyone's comedy again? Yeah. That's it. I'm just going to listen to Wanda Sykes for the rest of my life. Yes, exactly. The only one who's safe. <laughs> um, but like even just things about like hearing, you know, so-and-so doesn't treat their assistant well, you know, like mm. they talk horribly to them, you know, mm. and like really up until that point thinking like, oh, I love everything that this person has put out into the world and then finding this out and like wondering, just wondering like, is is being a horrible person, at least in some aspect of my life, uh, a requirement for soaring success? Because it feels like every person that I respected like has got some sort of thing, you know, in comedy anyway. I, I'm going to, uh, well, and mostly it is, uh, me projecting what I would like that answer to be, mm -hmm. but I would say no, because yeah. I've met, I've also met a lot of people that are just the kindest, just the most considerate people. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. I think like the one that breaks my heart is when like I'll meet somebody and I'm like, what an incredible person would have been an incredible comic. And then I find out they're just like crushingly depressed. I'm always mm -hmm. like, Oh no, it didn't make you happy. Yeah. And like, um, but I have empathy for that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, Oh, well, you know, I can at least be empathetic. Ah, I hope not. You know what yeah. I mean? I hope I not. don't think so, but it is just, it's making me sad just cause are these people at the very top of their game or are these like people in the upper end of the comedy middle class? I, well, I guess I would have considered them at the top of their comedy game. Okay. But like maybe not necessarily just stand up, but like also like they're, they're doing a ton of things. They're doing a ton. Of yeah. Things. Well, so, you know, and the other thing is, uh, there's always a story. What I quickly found out, uh, early in comedy is that it does seem like folks always have a story to prove that someone is bad. It yeah, seems like is it, it, it does that's seem true. to be that like the human brain seeks the negative. Yeah. And um, there's, I used to work at a, at a treatment center and they had a lot of celebrities go through there and mm -hmm. I'm gonna let you know, I've, I've seen, and it was like kids, it was their kids. Mm -hmm. So I've seen like, mega famous people mm -hmm. at their worst mm -hmm. and I not their, but their worst like behaviorally, but also their lowest emotionally. Mm -hmm. Cause it's one thing to have your own addiction problems is another thing when your child has these addiction problems. Yeah. It's like another thing, but there was one person I love to tell the story and I cannot tell it off. Like there's one person that is well known for being a very good person uh -huh. and can confirm. Like I, like I met him and I was just like, oh, you are, oh, you're literally paying for the drug and alcohol treatment of somebody who's not even your child. Wow. Like, mm -hmm. and you're here to make sure that they make it safely mm -hmm. to treatment. You really are that good of a person. And That's I awesome. I love telling those stories. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just like, no, let's focus on, let's celebrate the positives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like let's celebrate the positives because yeah. it's so easy to just be like, you know, Naomi, no, Naomi Campbell threw her phone at somebody. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we love that as a culture. We love it. We love to be like, that person sucks. <laughs> Do you ever watch Bojack Horseman? I did mm, a few years ago. In this but I last in a while. In this last season, they have a few, an episode arc where uh, assistants unionize. And they talk oh, wow. about assistants being treated like shit. And it's that's awesome. Perfect. It's the funniest thing. It's so good. But yeah, uh, 
Oh man, I want to hear off mic uh, who the, I want. I kind of want to get the tea. But oh like, sure, yeah, I can tell you off so. mic. Yes, <laughs> but the, again, I, that's true, and I should remember that there are still people that I'm like. There hasn't been anything negative confirmed. I mean, like Maria Bamford. I mean, who uh, has a bad word to say about her? No, like, just amazing, you know. Nicole Byer, like same yes. thing. Like, I just yeah, and I I really look up to them because they've had overall a career that I'm like I would love to have, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. being one hundred percent themselves. I mean, because that's yeah. been my goal, and that was the like that was the genesis of Too Sensitive for Comedy. Is like, how about I how about I stop pretending that this shit doesn't make me cry all the time? Like, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're thinking mm, I could be a stand up comedian, my question to you is, how good are you at crying and driving? Yeah. <laughs> Like, can you weep and and at 70 miles an hour? Can you weep at 70 miles an hour? Right. It's, uh, (laughs) and even if you're a really positive and resilient person, you will weep in your car Mm -hmm. at least once, especially, or you'll do what I see a lot of male comics do, which is to just bury it into a diamond of resentment, just like a rock hard tumor of resentment in their heart. So beautiful. It's like, just like, (laughs) and they're just like, they look at you and you're like, I'm doing good. And they're like, like you can hear great. (laughs) So happy for you. Um, What would you say your level, especially because authenticity is so important to you, what would you say your level of like personal and like also external honesty is? I think maybe it depends on the day. Um, I think my body continues to betray me, my body or my face in terms of like it, my body will experience uh, the real thing that's happening, even if my brain is trying to like compensate and say, no, maybe this is not happening. Like I basically I'm being gaslight by, by gaslit by my brain sometimes yeah. while my body is like, no bitch, like this is really for real, for real. So for example, like I had, I had this conversation um, with a person who was they they were gaslighting me and because I was new to the company and new to the process, yeah. I was also starting to be complicit in the gaslighting. Like, yeah. you know, but my body was like, want like I wanted to cry and I was feeling physically insecure. Ooh. And, Elbow, and like shoulders yes. were raising, arms were crossing, yes. that kind of a thing. And I got off the phone and processed it with a friend and realized like, oh no, my body was right. Yeah my brain was trying to like override the system and say, yeah. So I guess I say that to say like, it, de- it depends, you know, like it was a tense moment. And um, I think I eventually always come back to the truth. And I think I've gotten, as I've gotten older, I've come, I get faster at like being very honest with myself quicker. Yeah. But I, my first instinct is to like, be like, everything's fine. Yeah. You know, yeah even if it's not. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's, I, I love that. I love that you bring that up. That is, man, that might be my favorite answer to that question. <laughs> Cause that's so real. It's so real. Like, the best, the best gaslighting in the world is gaslighting. You start to participate in. Yeah. 
And I, I, this job I just lost, it was, I, I started like the way this person was talking to me was very, um, uh, kind of demeaning and, and then stopped talking to me altogether. And it was, so because at one point I stopped saying like, oh my God, I'm so dumb. Oh my God, I'm so this. Because I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just a person. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I think I'm so adept at gaslighting myself. I'll start it. I'll be like, treat, <laughs> I'll be like, treat me this way, please. This is what I'm used to. Let I'll, me kick this off for you. Exactly. <laughs> Let me help you Head out here. Start. Uh, let's do this. And, um, and some of that comes from a position of people pleasing and some of it comes from a position of like just insecurity mm-hmm. and to listen to one's body. It's, I feel, I have a friend, she calls it feeling slimed. Mm-hmm. She's like, I just talked to this person and I feel slimed mm-hmm. for me. I'll, I'll be very exhausted after I have a conversation like that, mm-hmm. or I'll be very like, yeah, the anxiety moves around my body. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so smart to really like, honor that and to process it that's mm-hmm. amazing have you done therapy that's like a really good like <laughs> like i spent a lot of money to get to that place <laughs> i did do therapy in um college okay. um because i was uh a recovering uh extrovert pretender uh <laughs> okay yeah, yeah, yeah. oh that explains why like the authenticity is so important yeah oh okay all right yeah because when i got to college like so up until college like i so i was an only child for eight years then my siblings came along but it's still it's not the same it's like I, they're there but i still have a lot of alone time right yeah and i think i just you know craved being around people and so i was during school or yeah. like after school you know projects and theater and stuff like that but you don't realize that you have this normal cycle of like being with people and then you have the reset where you go home and you're not, you know, around a ton of people all the time. And so in college, what happened was I had access to fun people my age 24 seven. And so for three years I was like pretending to be an extrovert because I thought I was because up until then I had had a built in cycle and then I didn't, I actually, I had to make the choice to be by myself and like recoup and not be around people. I didn't have that awareness that I needed to do it for myself. You were telling my story. Oh my God. I was also an an only child. So I was about 12 and Uh my dad remarried and suddenly there was not only another kid, it was a boy three years younger than me or not three years, uh, three months. Okay. Wow. We went to the same school. Wow. Right. Uh So like, yeah, I get it. Cause uh-huh. I'm used to like, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I'm by myself. And I've watched all the TV and yeah. I go to school <laughs> and I used to get on my report card. They would be like, they'd be like, Hey, uh, she's, uh, smart, but man, she will not shut the fuck up in class <laughs> because I love being around people. Mm-hmm. I'm energized by people, but you have to have recharged. Even mm-hmm. I always tell people extroverts yeah. need downtime. They do. Yeah. We have to reboot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I have to like last night I came back from two shows and I was like, I just looked at, I looked at my roommate and I was like, I have to go lay down. Mm-hmm. And then I watched two hours of the Catherine, the great mini series on HBO. Uh-huh. Cause that's what I need. I need to be quiet <laughs> and I need to watch period dramas. Yes. I need like, <laughs> I just need to just be not talk. For a little while. I get that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. So once I realized I was an extra, I was an, I was actually an introvert. Then 
that just changed, you know, I, and I also learned the, I, I learned the names of emotions. I didn't know the names of emotions. Like I knew them, yeah. but like, I didn't know how to identify them when I was feeling them. So like, you would just like walk in and be like, I'm feeling what? like that or no, I would, I, I mean, I probably at the time was saying, Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. So I had like maybe maybe three words for like the happy or more positive emotions and then like one word for all of the negative emotions, quote unquote negative emotions. Have you ever heard Gary Busey's acronyms, his recovery acronyms? No. Oh, that's great. He'll, you mean fucked up, insecure, neurotic and insane or uh, <laughs> neurotic. And what was the last one? It's like, I can't even remember what the last one uh-huh. E whatever um but yeah there's like yeah fucked up insecure neurotic and can't remember right now it's gone but yeah yeah but yeah that i mean i needed to know what the words were so that i could identify them understand why i'm feeling them i mean yeah so that really helped yeah when i was in college starting to like identify like put a name to this oh that's why you're feeling this okay that's normal like and it's okay to have this you're having a human experience like yeah yeah you're human right now yeah (laughs) oh man because perfectionism is such a trap it's such a trap and i had a mom who like you know she her parents didn't give her like good emotional tools for dealing with things and so you know she kind of Pass that down along to me. So it was just like, okay, I'm feeling bad. What can I do to stop feeling bad? Right. As right. opposed to investigating and being like, hey, what you're feeling is fine. Yeah. And it's not going to last forever. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a delight. What a delight you are. <laughs> uh, what is, um, okay. How do you experience fear and anxiety in your life? Um, like what things cause it or like how does it manifest or how do yeah I think you already answered this question Mm -hmm. a little bit with like feeling it in your body and everything Mm -hmm. like how do you like what is your experience of it like you do or even how do you get through it like what like what do you do in the face of it I yeah I I should say that I wish like I need to get better at identifying it sooner because sometimes I don't realize it until too late um yeah i think our brains protect us yeah in that sense like you'll i'll leave a situation and be like yeah that was deeply traumatizing yeah (laughs) yeah but um like because i because what i try to not do i'm trying to not get addicted to things i am currently addicted to something that i'm not uh very proud of i just downloaded the tamagotchi app and (laughs) (laughs) i was like is this where we find out about meth addiction (laughs) tamagotchi cool i got it i get it that's great i love that oh my god is okay my question is is are you doing in-app purchases I haven't done in-app purchases okay. because I can, I stand against that, but, um, okay. and, and any app, like I will find a way around paying for anything in an app. <laughs> me too. Um, <laughs> I will wait you out until you give me enough daily rewards yes. to finish. Mine's wordscapes. I like wordscapes. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's very fun. Uh, but I've said, I've said and thought some insane things since downloading the, the app and I'm like, I really need to get like it off what? my girl just like stuff like um you know like they'll they'll show a thought bubble like the the tamagotchi wants a cookie 
And I was like, but you need your vegetables right now. You will eat this, but don't shake your head at me. Like, what? <laughs> why am I making sure that he gets, like, the pyramid? Like, You're why gonna- am I following the pyramid? <laughs> You're going to be the best mom. (laughs) That's so funny. Bitch, you don't get a cookie yet. (laughs) You have not had dinner, sir. And then, like, you know, they'll show Thought Bubble, like, they're dreaming of a boat. A whole boat? Really? We don't have enough coins for a boat? (laughs) But then I'm like, also, I'm like, let me go ahead and play some games to get some coins so I can get this bitch a boat. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, that is so funny. That's great. You're just, you're just, you're a tough but forgiving mother to it's, a Tamagotchi. What's, what, it, what's your Tamagotchi's name? Do you name them yourself? They name them. And the thing is, okay, this is the other girl. We're did you have one when you were a kid? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, this is just like nostalgia. It's, it's nostalgia. Care. But also, so my friend just had a baby and I was like, okay, how much is it? just like Tamagotchi and she's like 100%. I was like, all right, I'm I mean, downloading it right it. now. We're twinsies. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you call and she's just like, man, the baby has just been so fussy. You're like, tell me yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, girl. I My Tamagotchi <laughs> just will not stop crying uh, because I don't have boat money right now. <laughs> I don't have boat money. <laughs> amazing (laughs) it's so insane but i actually have like five tamagotchis and this is crazy because they've gotten so intricate with it so not only have i raised two of them to adult no three okay but then they all live in this apartment and then like you can go and visit them and you get like love points for visiting them like you're still keeping in touch with your children first off they should be visiting you that's how motherhood works they should be visiting you and they should be calling you exactly no yeah that's <laughs> what I, I'm beginning to think that com- the Tamagotchi world is based on codependency. Oh yeah, I don't know it was it, it was created by a boomer for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, my mom's supposed to come to me. It's like no, uh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh my god! But well, you asked about anxiety, yeah. So I'm just like I am like low key, you know. I am worried about. You know, okay, am I playing so much with this app because I am worried about, you know, like, because right now, so the writing gig ended, um, you know, haven't gotten paid for that yet. Like the, you know, money should be coming. Right. But it's just like there's some, there's a lot of financial insecurity. Sure. Um, my boyfriend has been helping me out a ton and like we've just moved in together. So that's how, and so there's like not the insecurity there, but there's the pressure I'm putting on myself to contribute and be, you know, I'm like, I have skills. And so it's hard to figure out sometimes like, do I invest this whole day trying to find something again? Or do I invest it like trying to put things out there that will create 
like secret money in comedy, right? Because there's all these secret money in comedy, mm. right? Like something that could lead to another thing or like, you know, should I be pushing more to like be in certain clubs so that I can start getting money at clubs? You know, like yeah. what what is the thing that is the most, what is worth spending my time in? So I'm just like, I do feel like I need to get this Tamagotchi thing in check um, so that I can in, invest the time in the right places. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, also maybe uh, there is a sense of, um, especially when talking about like trauma and anxiety reduction and trauma, there is this concept of like, you need play. Mm-hmm. Like play is super important mm-hmm. and they'll make it so funny. I read in this like very serious book about uh-huh. how they were making these like victims of terrible abuse take improv classes <laughs> and i was oh, like wow that is un- that's cruel and unusual but they really got a lot out of it yeah and um and i i think that there is a sense of play that needs to happen throughout the day mm-hmm. you know what i mean like uh just having having something outside of yourself so maybe not to like cosine or enable but <laughs> i kind of think like it's probably good to because it seems like you're exercising like maternal instincts like you're having like <laughs> like do you have pets no i really want one though so i yeah, i'm I willing wanted. to bet that when you and your boyfriend get a cat or a dog together mm-hmm. um are you guys cat or dog people do you know i like both he only is, likes dogs that's every man says that till they get a cat and then they're just like my baby well oh. there was a traumatic cat experience that we both just had um yeah tell me everything <laughs> i'm a cat lady spill well what the happened? thing is, is like so i and i i still like cats after this but the yeah. thing is he has a friend that's in new york that let us stay at their place and their their place is like sizable but they also have um three dogs and one cat now i don't know the like origin of like when the which animal came first but i know the cat was among the first that she had right okay now as she starts adding dogs i don't know which dog and maybe it's multiple of them but like the cat doesn't fucking like the dogs and like look i get it you know and there's also too many of them for an apartment sure but she has all these three dogs and the one cat so what happens is, or what has happened is, the cat ha- will not leave the restroom. Yeah. There was one restroom. And so every time you showered or shat, this cat's just looking at you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and breathing very hard because it now has a sinus issue, probably because from not leaving the restroom. And like literally reaching over, reaching over it to get the toilet paper while it's you're shitting and it's staring right at you. And and it's white. It's, a very it's like cat thing to do, by the way. Cats love to watch you take a shit. It's like so they'll be like I have my cat used to just like push the door open. Uh-huh. Just like one paw. Like, what are you doing? But if you make direct eye contact with a cat while they're taking a shit, they're like, how dare you? <laughs> God damn it. I'm trying to. Uh, don't look at me. So that's a, that's a very cat thing to do. Yes. But it had one spot and it was just like, and then it was funny because later my boyfriend and I were talking about it there and he was like, yeah, that was a weird cat. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's not the cat's fault. Yes. The, uh, the cat was there first. 
Okay. Yeah. It's not the cat's fault that it doesn't want to leave because there's too many dogs. Okay. Yeah. This is the owner's decision. Yeah. Like the cat doesn't want to live its life in a bathroom, but it's terrified of the dogs. Listen, if you're listening to this and you're the parent of this cat, um, contact me, uh, ship the cat out. I will rehab this cat. That's so funny. I, when we were in, uh, uh, Stuart and I were in Denver, we were staying in his cousin's house mm-hmm. and there was three pages of instructions. They were not home. They had taken their dogs. They had two dogs and one cat. And there uh-huh. were three pages of instructions on how not to interact with pie crust because pie crust is me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what are we getting Three into pages. here? Three pages. And so I come in and I sit down on the ground. And the first thing Pyrocross does is just jump in my lap and cuddle me. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you have the wrong owners. Like, <laughs> like they don't understand you. You are, you're a good boy. You're just, you're a little weird because you've got some sort of trauma, but you're not a bad cat. Yeah. And like, once we had that established, it was like we were messaging them like pictures and they were like, what is he's laying on you? He's not eating your face. Like I was like, yeah, he plays with us every morning. And they were like, what? It's like sometimes a cat. And what we figured out is it's the dogs. He doesn't want to be around the dogs. Yeah. He's just, mm-hmm. it's that riff energy. He's yes, trying to riff yes, with these dogs. Totally true. <laughs> he's trying to riff with these goddamn dogs. They won't fucking shut up. And they just won't <laughs> shut up. And he's just like, mm, how do I do it? And so it comes out in a different way. Yes. So yes. That's so funny. <laughs> Stuart and I both, I don't know why he did this, but we were watching, because um, we were watching this like very, this couple and they and they were walking their little tiny white dog across the street and he's just in the car and he sings to me interracial couple with a white dog <laughs> that's so funny and uh i i i just dream of the day when we can have a small white dog and just walk around and like sing that like <laughs> This is very fun. Feel free to borrow it. It's such a fun thing because That's you'll awesome. notice it all around LA. It's like, look at all these interracial couples with these tiny white dogs. Like the second verse was something like, our moms are uncomfortable, so we got a white dog. <laughs> we don't want to threaten the family. It's very fun. <laughs> Man, it's so much extra work because they get dirty really fast so they look dirty fast <laughs> exactly and they're always like fluffy and you got to get them groomed yeah it's too crazy really cute they're that's really, really i mean the yeah. cuter i can't wait till you get an animal. i'm willing to bet the tamagotchi uh obsession will completely subside when you have a live tamagotchi <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's probably true i mean we also did get to just get disney plus so that's uh oh yeah so Okay, I my parents because they were really cheap. Um, talking too much about myself, gonna pull it in. But my parents were really cheap, so they tried to. They always spoke negatively of Disney properties. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> they did not want me to have a desire to go to Disneyland or buy princess things. That's so funny. And so um, everybody's so excited about Disney Plus, and uh-huh. I like Disneyland. I like like old weird Disney movies. A uh, yeah. shout out. To Wait, my- which one? Um, I love the original Fantasia. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, and my parents were both recovering addicts. Well, one was recovering, one wasn't. So of course they loved the most druggy one. Uh-huh. That was like the one Disney VHS that we had, and we liked 
My dad, my my dad did like the Little Mermaid quite a bit. Okay, to quote my father, the crab stole the show. That's uh, hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was very. <laughs> so, but are you like a big Disney file? Or are you like the? Oh yeah, I love Disney. I love 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 it. Um, I just watched uh the Navigator flight. Of, I think it was flight. Flight of, of the Navigator. Yeah. It's such a weird movie. That is and a really weird movie. I was every now. I mean, on this side of like, I guess a career and whatever I'm always thinking about the pitch you know like as you're watching I'm like what like how did they get this through like (laughs) everybody was on board with it we're gonna make a movie yeah it's gonna be batshit yeah (laughs) it's gonna be amazing uh there's a really great podcast you listen to uh you must remember this no it's about old hollywood history and in the in the launch of the uh the disney plus app she's doing a whole 10 episode series on song of the south because they've strategically left it off well, also, that movie was banned in, like, the, the U.S. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. They re-released it in the 80s when we were kids, mm-hmm. and all our parents took us to see it like that was okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, fascinating. Yes. Um, derailed. Uh, <laughs> I'm very excited for your Disney Plus. So, Flight of the Navigator, what are you the most excited to, to rewatch? Like, Darkwing Duck? Like, what are you getting into? We'll see if I get back into the cartoons. Like, I've already re- rewatched the original Parent Trap, which is the only Parent Trap to me. Yeah, the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap can kick rocks. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> it's all Haley Mills and Haley Mills for me for life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fucking love that. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe I will have to. Di- I might. Nicole's <laughs> very into. Uh, she's very into Disney, so I'm sure as soon as both of us are employed, somebody will get. The, <laughs> I'll get the Hulu. She'll get the Disney Plus. Um, okay, so what is one thing about yourself you would like to change? Um, I wish I was uh, braver about dealing with like per- my like personal adult stuff yeah me too yeah Yeah. like i wish i was just like this needs to be done and i'm gonna do it and doesn't matter how long it takes like get it done but i have a lot of fear of like looking dumb or like looking late or like looking Mm. like disorganized you know and so so sometimes it takes me a little bit longer to take care of something that I could have just handled really you know quickly because of just not wanting to have comfortable uncomfortable conversations with people um yeah or just like looking like I don't know something it's that perfectionism absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's like how do we I being a chronically super disorganized ADD adult, I'm mm-hmm. always just like, I didn't know. And like, <laughs> people look at me like, eh, and I'm like, mm, that's more about you. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. But I, I will procrastinate. Like, like I haven't filed for unemployment yet. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Yeah. Just Take that it. 20 minutes. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Well, yes. And I'm right now I'm trying to like figure out medical stuff um yeah you on that medical well i'm trying to get on it because i haven't been i was doing cover california and it's just like it's so confused i'll talk to you about it i'm pretty good at i yeah that's my one good hustle is like i really know how to work that medical system okay like i had a full like i fully had surgery like Uh i had to like 
Yeah. The trick with Medi-Cal is just be relentless. Uh-huh. Call them like it's a comedy club. Uh-huh. Like, okay. and you want that spot. <laughs> that's how, <laughs> that's, that's the trick. Just uh-huh. call every day and be like, hi, Karen. Uh, Anna. <laughs> I'm gonna bring it. What kind of chocolate do you like? I'm gonna bring it to the office. It's time to see you. Um, pull my uterus out, please. Um, so that's i yeah i I like i think everybody struggles with that yeah but i i love that you like identify it because it's like yeah there is uh what is your experience of forgiveness Mm. well i read something recently um about how like part of um the reason some people have trouble sleeping is because they have they actually have trouble uh, forgiving themselves uh-huh yeah that's very real and i don't have trouble sleeping <laughs> and so like and i and i don't I, I mean i guess i don't say that to brag but just to be like what i read that i was like that makes sense because i've never had trouble sleeping and part of it is like i i i can i'll identify myself starting to beat myself up and then right behind it i will come and i i guess maybe mother myself and like yeah no you are having a human experience. You're human. Of yeah. course. Like you, you don't have to put that pressure on yourself. That's yeah. not for you to carry. Like don't carry it. And like, maybe I don't year, maybe part of it is from like years of, and this sounds maybe counterintuitive, counterintuitive, but like my years being in the church and like okay. actually feeling like I was being taught to learn to not carry loads that were not my own to carry like that was a big that was a big thing that I that really helped me so that I was like this isn't this isn't mine and I'm and I'm a human of course I made this mistake you never hear that about somebody's religious experience that they like most people when they talk about religious experiences tend to speak either one-dimensionally about the positive or one-dimensionally about the negative yeah and I love that that's like a concrete lesson Mm -hmm. don't carry other people's loads yeah or yeah. even like loads that are I can't do anything about right now or is not, you know, I, I can't change. So but yeah, I just I haven't so I think I've I'm I find it easy to forgive myself. Yeah. Which I honestly probably helps with stand up. Because if I'm not beating myself up all the time, then it becomes easier to write the next joke or go yeah. to the next show. Yeah. Yeah, that's resilience. Mm-hmm. It's the core of resilience is to be like, well, that didn't work and mm-hmm. then keep going. Yeah. And you can see it. There are some people and I the, the, even I fall into this trap sometimes. You get really attached to something that just doesn't work and you <laughs> just keep doing it over and over. And you're like, why do people not like that word coming out of my mouth? <laughs> and it's like, well, maybe those are the wrong words. Throw it out. Try yeah. another thing. <laughs> it worked one time. Uh-huh. It's like... <laughs> It doesn't work now. Like, in the moment. That's so funny. I love that. What's your flavor of your religion? Um, so I grew up Christian. Okay. And I was very, very, very Christian for a long time, um, even, like, into my early 30s. Okay. Um, and then there was a, a huge life shift where I started to just start to question the amount of uh white supremacy that had been indoctrinated in me and there's i still have friends that are still like very heavily involved in the church and they're also challenging it and like you know i think a lot to their credit like they're 
they're calling it out when they see it and like not accepting the way that the church interacts yeah. and forms around white supremacy. But I think for me, it just became like untenable. And just again, it was paying attention to my body. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I, I don't, I, when I'm here, I don't, I feel like crying all the time. And it's not in the same way where I feel like I'm coming out of something. I feel like I'm in something that's not right. Yeah. Um, in the sense of like, I mean, maybe a, a more concrete example is just like, there was a lot of stuff happening when I left. There was a lot of stuff happening um, related to race and racism and police brutality. Yeah. And so for me, it just became physically untenable to be in a space every every Sunday where people were not somehow physicalized, physicalizing or manifesting that pain. Like they were so happy. Like, yeah. not that it was happening, but it was just like somehow it did like something that seemed to decimate me and right. that felt universal right. was not affecting them, you know? Yeah. And the church was predominantly like it, uh, like Asian and white. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it just felt very traumatic to be in spaces where like this huge incongruence from right. what I was experiencing. And that, the same thing that it was also part of why I ended up quitting my job. Cause I was working at a, I was working in wealth management at the time, you know, and <laughs> the, the core of white, white supremacy is yeah. our, our financial system. Capitalism and, yeah. is a white supremacist like construct. Exactly. That's, yeah. And if you don't believe me, go to the Philippines where capitalism is finished. What colonialism started. Mm hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's you. okay. Yeah. I didn't so mean to, like put words in your but mouth. But that, yeah, I mean, that's part of why I left my job because I was like, I can't, my body is feeling, is feeling yeah. things that I've been trying to override with my mind. Jeez. And I can't do it anymore. I just, yeah. And now you are a comedian and you get, to, you get to talk about it. That's the beautiful thing mm-hmm. is you get to talk about well, it. Well, the thing that's interesting now is that because I had, I did what was right for me and yeah. I chose out of those spaces. Now I'm not as angry about them. Yeah. Like at the time, like my, my, I would say either my comedy or what I was talking about was coming from this place of a lot right. of anger. But now that I don't, I'm not forcing myself to be and, and to right. fix myself in these boxes that I, that are not right for my body. Like now I'm like, it comes from a much more joyful place. So like now I have like three minutes on wombats and that's great. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's such, I just noticed there's levity to the things that I want to talk about because so true. I've not forced myself to be in a place that's. Yeah. That it is true when something negative is like when I was sick, all I could write jokes about was the experience of being sick and dealing with that experience. Mm-hmm. And I, the jokes I wrote about it were fun, but mm-hmm. they would make people sad. Yeah. They still sad. <laughs> I'm like, calm down. I'm fine now. Look at me. But like, <laughs> but there was, I was deeply, deeply angry at my body. I felt betrayed. Mm-hmm. I was like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. And it was really the other way around. I was overriding my, my mind was overriding my body so often that it got sick and broke down. Yeah. And like, 
the fact that you are so respectful of that in yourself is such a beautiful and inspiring thing. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's really amazing. Mm -hmm. And to understand that that affects your mental health and it affects your, like your, your overall level of happiness. Mm -hmm. And that on the other side, you don't have to also stay in that anger. That's not the core of your funny. I love Mm -hmm. when people are like, but if I got happy, when am I going to be funny? It's like, wombats are intrinsically funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Write that wombat joke. Get in it have fun give me five minutes on hippos there's a yeah. comedian in the valley that has five minutes on hippos and i live for it i'm like do, the hippo do it do it i just realized this morning i have to write i there's one thing i love more than anything else i love in and out i love in and out uh-huh. i was i'm a california girl it's the first thing my dad we left we we visited la for the first time visiting his family for the first time get off the plane. What do we do? We go to in and out That's right? awesome. And I will fist fight any, especially <laughs> any New Yorker comes to our town and it's like, it's just fine. I'm uh-huh. like, oh, so you don't have friends to tell you how to order. And I've been having, <laughs> I've been having very opinionated tweets about in and out as of late. And I was like, oh, I need to write my silly food joke. I yeah. need to write my Gaffigan yes, joke. Yes. I, I wrote, I wrote an airplane food joke uh-huh. and it's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't wake up at 32 years old and go, I'm going to throw all the stability out the window to someday at 37, write an airplane food joke. But here we are. Yes. <laughs> the food on Filipino air was insane. <laughs> that oh, is- that was so fun. I totally identify with that because uh, I've been to Turkey yes. um, and the Turkish breakfast, like the menu that they had for if you want like American breakfast. Yes. I don't remember what it was, but it was like the hodgepodge. It was just like somebody went into a curio shop of like American foods. So we like- have a Cadbury cream egg. We have candy corn. Candy corn. We have a hot dog. Two That's fries. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Man, I tried to tell that joke the other night. This woman was like, I was like, is anybody here taking the national airline of a third world country? And she and this woman in the back of the room, yes. And I was like, shut up, Brenda. Let me have my joke right now. Just yes. What do you have to say about it? I'm like, you're here for karaoke. Be quiet. Um, But yeah, that is. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. Candy corn. A slinky. <laughs> a bop it. A bop it. IOUs. College debt. This is what you people eat, right? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, yeah, that was yeah, that was hilarious. Uh, they put Salisbury steak on everything. But did okay, here's my question. Did you eat it all? No, I didn't order that part. I was oh, like, okay. I can't. I can't I Salisbury have steak in an American context. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it over the Pacific. <laughs> I uh, I did eat the first. So the first flight over, my palate was not tooled to Filipino food yet. Okay. The second flight over, I ate every last morsel. Okay. Of the the food, it was like my palate had to like adjust to certain tastes. I see. I think. Okay. When you were in Turkey, did you have that experience, or was just like everything good? Uh, everything's pretty much good to me. Um, and I, I honestly, the only, the only food 
that I don't really have a taste for is like usually the American versions yeah. of like Chinese things. Like so I don't like a lot of sweet thing or like I don't I don't really particularly care for our version of teriyaki because it's too sweet to me. It's way too sweet. Um, but literally I love food of every place and I like I yeah. I actually it's probably one thing that I'm pretty proud of is that I I will and can eat and enjoy pretty much anything. Yeah, I love that. I didn't. I thought because it's like my 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 parents, my mom. She'd always be like, "Have a bite," and I'd be like, "I don't want it." And she'd be like, "Have two, you have to have two bites or you're a jerk." Mm-hmm. That was her thing. <laughs> I like that. Don't yeah. be a jerk. You it's gotta, true. You yeah. have two bites. And so we were in Singapore, and we were at this like Chinese like stall, uh-huh. and we were just told when you're in Asia to just if you see a line forming. Just get in that line. Yeah. There's something beautiful at the end of uh-huh. that line. That's funny. And so we're walking around this market and we see this really long line uh-huh. for this stand that serves only chicken. Uh-huh. And we get the chicken and it's like wet. It's like, it's like, oh, it has a very wet sauce uh-huh. and it's cooked. But when you eat it, it is ice cold. <gasps> and the consistency, the, like the texture of cold and wet in my brain I was like, and I would say this a lot in Asia, I'm having two bites. That is my two bites. And I slid it to Uh Stuart. And he was like, the bananas part is it tasted amazing, Uh but my brain could not do cold, wet chicken. Yeah. My brain was like, no, you can't do cold, wet chicken. Yeah. And when we were on the flight over, I think those were the two moments where my brain was just like, "Mm, no. On the flight over, I remember like taking a bite of my food and being like, just shaking my head and sliding it over to Stuart. <laughs> and, but on the way back, it was it was gone. I, I wonder if it was just like the airplane food or the smell. I don't know what was going on with me. Uh-huh. But generally, I'm not that picky. But like cold wet chicken was lying. Yeah, I that, can't do that. Texture. I mean, yeah, that 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 feels like a lot. Cold dry chicken, I can do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like cold chicken from the refrigerator. Oh yeah, your like bare hands uh-huh. in the morning. Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. All day. Yes. But cold wet chicken. No, I waited in a line and they didn't even heat it up. <laughs> I was like, you got a microwave back there? That's what so funny. So, what took you so long? Anyway, um, I wonder if it was like ceviche. I have no idea how it Oh, happened. yeah. Interesting. Could have been. But uh, very, very, yeah, I understand. It's like I did pretty well at being like just eating just like, all right, yeah, that's what we're having. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I love so many different types of food to the point that it actually makes me indecisive because I don't usually have a craving. I don't have a craving for, I'm like, yeah, let's have food. <laughs> let's have food that tastes good. <laughs> Ooh, I wish I had, I didn't have craving because uh, sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, today I am having pizza mm. or something. You know what I mean? I guess every now and then I'll get to that point, but I feel like a lot of times a pizza... By the time I want pizza, it's like a rebellion. I'm like, let's be bad. Like <laughs> oh, yeah, John Mulaney bit. Does anybody want does anybody yeah. want a plate of crack? Does anybody <laughs> would you split some crack if I ordered some crack? <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. That's so funny. What is uh maybe the weirdest apology or um amends you've either had to give to somebody or who somebody has given to you? Um, well, uh, so when I was in, uh, when I was in college, I had the same roommate all four years, but the last year we added a roommate. So we had a triple, um, and that roommate, she was a friend, good friend of mine. Okay. 
so we were friends before we were roommates. And so the dynamic of the room just shifted. Cause before that, me and my, the other roommate, we'd already lived together. Okay. So we were already used to each other's like right. ways of being and living in a space, you know, and kind of morning stuff, evening stuff, just like our, you know, regular yeah, yeah, yeah. flow of life. But this, this new addition to the rooming situation, she was, you know, not used to it. And also was also getting used to like the fact that our, friendship was kind of shifting or she yeah. felt like it was shifting. Yeah. Living Be- together changes things. It does change things. And so essentially what had happened was she is a morning person no, and I am not. Yeah. And that's so the correct way to be by the way. Right. And so when she's, Oh, when she gets up, she's ready to have full conversations. No. Right. <laughs> and I had heard of these people, but I had not, <laughs> you had not seen one in the wild. I, I, had, not, I had not experienced it. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and so, what had the way she had been interpreting um, our lack of conversation in the morning was actually a distance in our friendship. Oh, yeah. And so she like and made her feel really sad. And she's like, I feel like we're not as good friends anymore. And so I finally, we had to have a moment and I had to be like, you want to talk to me at the wrong time. <laughs> I was like, if we can have these conversations yeah. and we're so great friends, like, and we can have deep conversations, but you, we have to do it not in the morning when I first wake up. So, okay. So there's three people in one room. Mm -hmm. And so is she like her eyes open and she's like, Crystal, (laughs) not like demanding attention, but it's like, we're up, you know, we're all getting ready for class. You know, we're brushing our teeth and she's like, Oh, so, you know, how was your day yesterday? Like wanting to, you know, I was thinking this, you know, I was getting ready to call my mom and say, like, like wanting to have full friendly friendship conversations <laughs> while love. we're getting ready, like in the morning. I mean, we're awake, but it's like, it's still morning. <laughs> I love that she's just like, I, you're so kind. Cause I would, I, it, at some point I'd probably turn and be like, is there any thought you keep in there? <laughs> you, is, this a, is this just an out system? What are we doing? <laughs> that's yeah. very sweet i like i but i'm glad you guys like talked it out yeah so it was just like at some point i realized what was happening so i guess the weird part is just like oh i have to i don't know it was like i i guess there was an apology in there somewhere because it was like she felt like i was shutting her out of my life and i was just like just my morning like not my life just <laughs> i just need like one hour Maybe but I, you could put a podcast in or yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah That's so crazy. yeah that was yeah i get it living dynamics are different like uh, Stuart and I were living together for a while and we both take a minute to wake up. I take a second to wake up, but part of his process is to wake up and immediately grab his phone and just mouth breathe into Twitter. Just like, 
<laughs> and I would I started waking up and and then I would wake up and he has already been awake and his anxiety hamster has already been running on the yeah. wheel because he's taken in the internet mm-hmm. and he'd just be like, "What are you gonna do today?" And I'd be like, "I need like." I need to take 50% off of this intensity. Yeah. I need to like, (laughs) I need to do like a, I need to do a meditation. Uh I have to like, I have to pray. Like I have to write a gratitude list. Yeah. I need to do anything but immediately start with Twitter or immediately start with emails Mm -hmm. and just him doing that next to me. Yeah. I'd be like freaking me out, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's really important. I want that reminds me of like now when I make new friends as an adult, I ask this question: mm. Are you a text or a call person? Oh, okay, that's good to know. Because sometimes you call people and they're like, they're your good friends, uh-huh. but they don't want to talk to you uh-huh. over the phone, and it's just because they're a text person. Uh-huh. And if they're sometimes you text somebody and they never call you back or never text you back and you're like, oh, they don't love me. Uh-huh. It's because they're a call person. Uh-huh. So that's, yeah, that's my like awkward yeah. question. Yeah. I think it depends. Yeah. Like for me, like, yeah. um, I think if, I think if I, um, if I, yeah, I w- it would be hard for me to answer that in the beginning. Like, I would tell you, like, this is between you and me yeah. and everybody listening to this podcast. Sure. No, but literally, like, I would say, like, I would be happy if you called me. Oh, likewise. Like, legitimately, Aww. like, I would be happy if you called or texted. Like, that yeah. that wouldn't, that would be totally fine. There are some people who I'm like, I like them. I like being around them. Do I want them to call me? No. Like, I would rather a text from them and i don't know i don't know all the reasons why i don't know if there's a one bucket of of uh, reasons why like one category of reasons why no but i just know no well you're so (laughs) you're so in tune with yourself i imagine it's about emotional regulation it probably is like the amount of energy yeah because i can tell pretty quickly like um like the people who are are good at the balance of like you share a little bit i let you be heard and like ask questions about what's going on with you and then who's you know and then let's go back to me like i have a thing you know yeah um versus some people want too much of your stuff you know and they don't share yeah uh or it's just them sharing all the time you know yeah yeah, yeah, that's that's a <laughs> that's another mid thirties lesson we mm-hmm. all get is like especially in comedy because a lot of people I call them uh, be my mommy boys. Uh huh. Okay. They call <laughs> and they're just like me me me. Like they'll call and they'll uh, speaking of like friends, uh, a bunch of my friends got the same writing job, right? So they all uh-huh. get the same writing job and they all in unison called to complain about their opportunity. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, well, oh. I just, you know, I'm <laughs> so glad all of your writing is paid off. Um, I b- pushed my uterus back in this year. Uh, feeling good. Uh, well, anyway, I gotta go. Um, there's, oh my God, there's a song. I'm going to have to send you. I started a playlist for the morning. I'm very weird about the morning now. I'm like very into my rituals. But there is a song my friend sent me by the lead singer of the Alabama Shakes. Mm -hmm. And 
the lyrics of it, I think you'd really, really enjoy. 13th, what is it? I'm not going to turn, Brittany Howard. It's 13th century. Watch, I'm going to do this. It's going to turn on. Don't turn on. 13th century metal. Uh Uh-huh, okay. And it's, the lyrics are... Oh my God. Here we go. Full lyrics. Yes. Apple. Music. <laughs> I, know, I, love oh, I love it. Um, I promise to think before I speak to be wary of who I give my energy to because it is needed for a greater cause greater than my own pride. And that, uh, and that is cause is to spread enlightenment and love, compassion and humanity uh, to those who are not touched by its light. That's like, and it's a really intense song. It's just like, yeah. da, 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 like it's like yelling at you. Mm-hmm. And then she's yelling this at you. Mm-hmm. And I have to live by that. I have mm-hmm. to be very careful about, I'll like, what I'll do is I'll visualize a bubble mm-hmm. when the emotional vampires, especially the open mics are always at the open mics. Yes. And like when they come up and they're just like, be my mommy, be my mommy. Mm-hmm. I, I visualize a big, plastic bubble like i'm in one of those domes from the penny machines at mm. the uh the grocery store yeah just like watching them yeah like <laughs> cool buddy and uh-huh. then they like walk away and i'm like Poop, down okay yeah. here we go yeah so yeah i get that yeah i don't want to talk to everybody yeah exactly i yeah. mean there's yeah there's only so much i have and i what happens to me is i can if i have too much go out of me at a certain point i get weird like I get socially weird mm-hmm. um, because once I took, once I relieved myself of the responsibility for making other people feel comfortable, once I, once I did that, like now I don't have that skill as much anymore. So I can't rally to like, be like, save somebody that from an awkward. Oprah ass bumper <laughs> sticker tweetable <laughs> moment. <laughs> what once i relieved myself of the responsibility of making other people comfortable (laughs) goddamn philosopher poet over here i'm sorry i didn't want to interrupt the thought but i was just like shit we gotta pause on that (laughs) fuck that's so real Mm -hmm. Uh, oh my god i can't wait to read your self-help book (laughs) i cannot wait i cannot wait Oh, it's going to be so good. How how do you maintain all this wisdom on a daily basis? Like, how do you maintain this? Like, what is your day to day like? I mean, well, I mean, but part, part of, part of why I, I think I am able to be sane is taking moments like that and holding on to them because I'm able to hold, like, I just have more energy because I'm not spending my energy trying to make other people feel comfortable. (sighs) Um, I'm gonna have to write that. Like down. I, <laughs> oh my god! Like I remember, me and my mom were in San Francisco, and we were getting in a lot of Ubers. And I saw an Uber pull, or or Lyft pull up, and I was like, "Oh, I could just tell by this lady's picture, she's gonna be a talker." And she's like, "How did my mom?" <laughs> I know, <laughs> my mom. <laughs> You're you're not wrong. <laughs> this is the thing. Like I could just tell. Like I was like, I don't know, like white lady, late thirties, maybe early forties. I'm like, she's Little gonna wanna talk to us. Lapel. Yeah. Or she's gonna wanna she's gonna wanna know the know all the things. And we get in the car and sure enough, my mom's giggling. She's like, You're right. And so, but I can tell my mom. And this is not, I mean, putting down my mom and all. My mom also grew up in a different generation and survived countless years in an organization that was predominantly men, you yeah. know. But I noticed in the conversation that she was having this woman, she had this nervous giggle. Like she would say something and kind of laugh after it. 
or like the woman would say something and she would laugh after it. And it was never funny. And almost never actually funny, but she okay. was giggling. And I'm like, oh, this is her way of smoothing out the edges of this interaction with a stranger. And it's subconscious. It's not It's not like she's thinking like, oh, I need to make this less awkward. But this is how she's learned to make these conversations like comfortable. <sighs> For other people. For other people. And because I don't do that, like it, you know, she, cause she sits in the awkwardness and she feels it. And I don't, I don't respond to it anymore because I've, I've handed that responsibility off to who, who, whoever is it supposed to be, but it's not me anymore. Good for you. And so, (laughs) yeah. God, man, I'm about to be that person at a show where people, when people say some crazy shit to me, I'm just going to let them sit in it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just be like, Okay, uh-huh. those are, we used to say this, uh, <laughs> my friend in recovery says this, she goes, those are words you just said. <laughs> Listen to those words you said. That was, wow, <laughs> such a collection, start to finish, almost a sentence. Uh-huh. Um, amazing, uh-huh. amazing. And you mentioned this before, where we're, we've breezed, so you're such a good guest. Oh, thank you're you. Such a, what a delight. <laughs> this is such a delightful episode. What, um, what is your, you'd mentioned you had been, you'd been really religious. What's your experience of a higher power now? Like what's your relationship with your higher power now? Yeah. I feel, I feel really mixed. I feel, I feel very, I feel like I'm in a complicated spot for myself. Yeah. Um, because just having really believed it and really feeling like I'd seen amazing things happen while I was really believing, you know? And so it's, it it feels just, it's tricky because I never, I never believed like um, you do the good stuff and then you get the good stuff, like kind of thing. Like Mm. it, it, in terms of that transactional aspect with God, like I believe right. that in like as a principle of of living, sure. but never as a like, I'm going to try to be good to God so I can get the good stuff from God. You don't have a vending machine higher power. Yes. Right. But so it, I, what feels tricky to me on this side of processing it is still feeling like really cool and amazing things are happening to me, even though I'm not like, in church every day or like, you know, directly praying every day or, um, or even uh, like reading the Bible and like doing all that stuff. And like, so I'm like, well, what is it? And, or who is it? I still believe that there is a it. Yeah. But I don't know what I call it anymore. I guess is where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, I think, for me, especially in the 12 step world, I'll explain to people, I'll be like, you're going to hear the word God. And, um, it's not like, you know, God as at registered trademark, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's yeah. more like, this is our word in the English language for the experience of a higher power. Mm-hmm. And you get to define that however you see fit. Yes. And my, my, usually that definition comes from life and from again, experience. It's mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, I get it. It's like, people ask me, they're like, what's your higher power? Like, and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I know it is. And I know it's funny. Mm-hmm. I know it has a great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's all I know. Yeah. And I just seek to be in tune with it. And I think sometimes 
some part of what makes it harder for me to like maybe delve and like really get to the root of it is that on the one hand, yeah, it would be easy to just be like, all right, I leave all this behind. But on the other hand, I've always felt and I continue to feel that this discussion of of what we believe is very privileged. And I don't think there's enough talk about like being able to choose what we believe as being actually a function of the privilege of being in a first world country, Mm -hmm. you know, like not having tons of uh, choices put before us, like having time to like, you know, talk about thing these things at leisure, having access to books. Like, yeah, you think about somebody who's in a third world country and it's like they grow up in a tradition. It's like, yeah, they need every aspect of this thing. Like, yeah, they need, you know, and I'm like the fact that we are not in a position where we need yeah. uh, or you know what I mean? Or desperately feel like we're craving God or a God Sometimes a, I f- yeah. a religious structure that creates social yes. order. Yes. You know, that keeps you from, you know, drinking water out of, you know, or eating something that could make you like a lot yeah. of the rules in the Bible are just like, don't do things that will kill you at this time. Yes, exactly. And so I just am like, sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't know if people understand how, what a privilege they have to be able to say that they're atheists. Like it's such a privilege you know what I mean? It really is. Uh, like, it, uh, ha- go to a third world country, please. Go to a third world. I went to a third world country when I was three and a half years old, and well, I feel well, like it. For, it was uh, we were in Nairobi, in okay. Kenya. I mean, some parts of it are definitely not third world, but like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that was really formative for me to understand that, like, I I exist in the world of privilege, and I, I need to remember that yeah. not everybody has a choice right. of where they live, what they are exposed to, you know, the opportunity to have the time to do critical thinking. Like we are, we think we're so much better than people because we're like critically thinking, you know, right. in the South and, you know, compared to the South, I'm like, I'm sorry, fuck that. Like third world, look at these third world countries. Like right. these people are staunchly believing in something because they need to. Yeah. Yeah. And their energy and resources is going to the acquisition of food, clean water, mm-hmm. protection, mm-hmm. It's not, it's not necessarily, yeah, that is such a, oh, what a true point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, have you ever noticed that, um, the kind of person who will be like, well, I'm atheist. They do look like the, the textbook definition of privilege. Oh yes. Every, every time, (laughs) every time. And I'm like, (laughs) and I see it and I'm like, why are we not talking about this? I'm Ah! like, (laughs) <laughs> I want this bit from you. I want you to write this because that is so real. That mm-hmm. is so real and it's so funny and everybody knows that guy. He's mm-hmm. like a guy whose glasses are so thick it looks like he's wearing two individual monocles. <laughs> like he's just like, he's like, well, well you know, and he's like, mm, also Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> and you're like, in and out sucks and ah, i'm a contrarian it's like being a contrarian i think is an aspect of privilege oh it totally is it totally is like just like existential negativity is a privilege yes it's it's like a result of privilege it's like no if you when we were in the philippines the best comedy audiences incredible comedians their first year comics could kick the dick off of our first year wow that's like that's awesome timing very funny like 
really, you know, get building their way to more thoughtful jokes, like mm-hmm. really cool. And the audiences are so, 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 so good. Uh-huh. And that country is just ravaged. Mm-hmm. It is, the infrastructure is shitty. The air is like, you can taste the air. That's mm-hmm. how polluted it is. Mm-hmm. And like, the people there are so great. And they're just sort of like, because there are greater needs going on in their brains, mm-hmm. they're just like not, they're not like, well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm just having a down day. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Not exactly. to say that like it's not okay to have a down day. No, it's, but just, it's just different. And yeah, yeah exercise mm-hmm. a little bit of gratitude. It's Absolutely. Like, well, if you're having a down day, go for a fucking walk. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, call a doctor. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> we have medicine. We have, uh, totally, <laughs> we really do. We have access to so much. Yeah. And, um. But yeah, that's what keeps me from going down that rabbit hole of like, you know, I can't abandon, you know, because to me, I am. I am them. Like I am. It it really it's it's it feels like completely chance that I ended up being born here and yes. not somebody born somewhere else. Yes, you know. Yes. So why do I get to say that this is all not real? Because because I'm better because I have more money because I live in America. Like yeah. that feels like dumb to say, but that's kind of what it feels like we're saying sometimes. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. Um, I love yeah. that. It's amazing. <laughs> what is, and this is the last question. Thank you so much. I know mm-hmm. this podcast is quite, it's 12 questions. Okay, I mean, it's fine. all 12. <laughs> um, what's like one thing you would want to share with somebody just like you in the world? Like what's your one bit of advice for somebody who's listening to this and they're like, oh, you were telling my story. Mm, um. Well, okay. I, I guess two thoughts popped in my mind. One is something that I, I want to tell myself. Yeah. Like I want, I would want yeah. me to believe. Like it's a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I recently watched the Lady Gaga uh, documentary Ooh, on Netflix. I haven't watched. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's great. It was like you know when she did the Super Bowl. So like leaning. It okay. kind of uh, like the apex of the show is that, and then, okay. but it talks about re- releasing the album that year and all the stuff she was going through. Um, so the day that they released the album, um, uh, you know, she's like looking at social media and looking at the numbers and like, you know, uh, talking with people that are around her in her home, and she's like gearing up for the way she's going to promote it because she's like she's like i'm going to promote the fuck out of it she's like and i'm going to make them love it because it's fucking lovable Uh, and i'm like that just like cut so deep and i just was like i would i want to i want myself to fully believe that about myself not in relationships like i'm you know don't feel insecure in that okay. but i mean when it comes to me as a, like an entity in the entertainment sphere okay and the things that i create and the things that i'm putting out there is like make them love it yeah because it is fucking lovable like yes. your brain your ideas your like creativity is fucking lovable you make them love it if they don't love it right away, you make the, you, you know, You're like, I don't love this. Yes. Yeah. You will love this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I want you to put out an album called, you're going to love this or like <laughs> make them love it. Oh, I love this. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, 
where can people f- this has been fantastic thank you so much for your <laughs> yeah. time and for your uh and um uh, just where can people find you where can people experience this yes so i have a website it's crystaladams.com and i'm on other things as the dark crystal yes Yes, yeah. highly recommend. Check out her music video. Check out her podcast. Check, just follow her. She's amazing. Thank you. Awesome. Yay. Thank you so much for doing this. Now, here's how we end this. It's okay. going to be awkward and vulnerable. Oh, okay. Um, here's how we end this. Uh, if nobody's told you this today, I love you. Oh, thank you. And if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today, we love you. Bye.